0: MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation. Local productions on QTV are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to Junior Doan's The Spark. I'm Junior Doan. I'm thrilled you could join us today because I'm interviewing New York-based artist Jennifer Clifford Danner. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for inviting us, uh, me in particular, and the crew into your beautiful, beautiful studio. We're so lucky to have this opportunity to sit and talk with you. What drew you to become an artist?
2: I really feel that I was born an artist. I, I, um, as soon as I became kind of conscious of creating things, it's what i always wanted to do. I just remember drawing all the time and loving to make things and work with my hands since I was about four years old. (laughs) So my, um, my mother really encouraged me. So, so that was lovely. And I, um, I studied, uh, you know, in on the weekends with a painter, and I um, I ended up choosing to go to Rhode Island School of Design rather than the more um, more academic track, um, which it was a hard choice. But I I just knew it was what I wanted to do. So what I, kind of preparation
1: did the Rhode Island School of Design give you?
2: It was fantastic. They um, they have their Freshman foundation year, at least when I was there, um, where they try to even out the field because people have different strengths and weaknesses. For example, um, people studying architecture might not have the same experience at all of drawing mm-hmm. from life. So you you really, it's interesting because um, you can teach anybody really how to draw, how to focus your brain and your eyes towards concentrating on what you're looking at and at least be able to draw pretty, pretty well. Um, And then just the color and design and there were, you know, all sorts of basic courses to teach you kind of the fundamentals. And Mm -hmm. then after that you could choose your major. Um, I chose painting. Um, which I loved, <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed um, learning how to do all sorts of different kinds mm. of crafts, like printmaking, um, blowing, sculpture, um, ceramics. Um, I just kind of wanted to know the techniques that were open to me, to um, that I could. Use in my work, um, photography, graphic design. You know, there's <laughs> a whole
1: thematic now. You need ten thousand hours to right. be good at anything. Um, do you agree with that? Can anyone be good at anything?
2: Obviously, I think um, you do need the hours put in um, to to hone your craft. But I, I think there are people that are just born that more visually talented than others and they love doing it. It's like it gives you physical pleasure. Like for me I I get pleasure just from using putting oil paint on my brush and and placing it on the canvas. Talk more it's, about that. <laughs> it's just it's a, a joy sensory, a it. it's a sensory joyful experience. Um, I think Uh, it sometimes can be painful and you don't know where you're going or you don't know what you're doing but when you are organized and you have your plan you know set out and you're starting your work I I just think it's really exciting. Um, The hardest part I find is completion because in my head I've figured it all out and then Sometimes it can be a little tedious to to finish it perfectly, to end it, and part of you might not want to end it. You kind of enjoy living with it for a while, but um, it's kind of interesting. I remember hearing the painter Walton Ford say he never he waited till the end to paint the eyes because he knew once he'd done that he'd quit. He'd quit.
1: <laughs> interesting. Uh, yeah. You got to work with yourself. Mm-hmm. When, how, how do you know when to pause and how do you know when the pause is really the quit?
2: It's hard to, it's hard to know, but you, I think you can come to a point where you realize you are gonna destroy it um, if you keep going, that it's enough. Um, but, uh, and hopefully that comes with experience and discipline
1: what medium did you start with after you left uh, school
2: i painted in oil i didn't particularly care for acrylic um, and i also always did watercolor and then drawing Um, i have recently started exploring different media um, like ceramic and handmade paper making to help give voice to the my ideas just three-dimensionally and I'm thinking about going casting some things in bronze and maybe going a little did bigger you, uh,
1: did you did you take or do you take additional courses to learn an aspect of things or make your technique uh, more solid
2: I was I've been working at um, Greenwich House Pottery um, in Greenwich Village which has been around for over 100 years and um It's a wonderful artist community and great instruction to, you know, help you along, to help you realize your concepts. Um, They really help you work with that.
1: And how do you structure your artistic week? Are you better one time a day or away from the phones? Um, How do you, I mean, what is the best rhythm for you? What advice would you have about rhythm?
2: I think for me I'm more of a night person so I really I find um, I like to do my boring you know paperwork and answering emails in the morning and then around 11 get started on my artwork and I can work through um, till 8 o'clock in the evening it's because you really need for me anyway um, I really need Large blocks of time, and um, because you start getting really focused, and you don't want to stop, and then, and I think you can lose momentum if you have if you break it up. At least for the kind of work I do.
1: Now you're married to a wonderful man, and you have two wonderful children. How did the overlay of their rhythms play out with this block of time that you need?
2: I think you know it's a commitment to be married and have children, and it it's hard to continue at the same pace um, creatively. Um, so i I feel like I wanted to give everything I had to my son, so i I did slow down in my my creative process um, somewhat, but it was totally. It's totally worth it because you it's a creative process to bring up your children and expose them to everything we have um, we're in a loft so it's very open um, and they have they shared a, a room so i made this studio always the workspace their desks were in my studio so we'd always be working together in a way and that that was um, where you concentrate and get things done
1: now your son charlie who helped in this wonderful uh... studio walk and explanation of the creative process he told me that you always made him aware to see to look at shapes and form what did you try to teach your children in this area
2: i think what might have been a little unusual just uh, uh, in their milieu is that we had a workspace where you could make a mess and you could experiment. And I always encourage them to think outside the box when they had projects and to, you know, try things, be visual and um, give it your all. And I think sometimes when you're confined physically, um, just, it can limit you a little bit. hmm So I think the, the joy of play can help a lot. Um, a lot f- to develop your those pathways in your brain. Yeah, be comfortable pathways. there.
1: Now you said they can teach your almost anyone to draw. Can you teach almost anyone to be aesthetic?
2: Mm, I don't know. I think you can you can teach them some aesthetic concepts. Um yeah. Certainly, people always say culturally there are certain groups of people that have more visual consciousness than others. Like in Japan, it's um, they're just taught to to understand space and um, the dialogue between the objects um, and be really sensitive to that and see the beauty in in the simplicity. Um, But I I think it's difficult and obviously varies from person to person. But before photography, I think, you know, along with learning Greek and Latin and history, people were taught how to draw. um, So they could record where they were or what they were doing. Yes, what they experienced. Yeah, like you see a lot of the um, natural scientists that were the early recorders of, of the of natural world, like, you know, Heckel and different artists, they um, they were also able to draw what they saw and uh, make a record of it, even like Darwin. So. Uh,
1: I don't think we celebrate beauty right now mm-hmm. the, and therefore aesthetics. So I don't think we pause enough. It's more shock value or, breaking the norm. But I think we'll come back to it. Because ultimately, harmony is spiritual,
2: I think and universal and timeless. People are afraid of beauty. It's like, it's fragile and fleeting. And it, it is, um, it is something that that has gone out of fashion, if you will.
1: It's funny, I find that things come into, um, well, literally, harmony and focus when and it could be a cloud, almost anything, that um, moves me in some kind of a way, either visually or emotionally. Very, it's. I thought a lot about that, why people, especially women, don't make more of an <laughs> effort sometimes, but the men too, for that matter. But I do think we'll come back to it, because I think over time, you have um, a lust to create, um, a nest around you or an expression of what you're inside. I'm most taken with this idea that it gave you such pleasure Mm -hmm. to draw. And, you know, one should really ask oneself, what gives such pleasure? Uh, As you were saying that, I was saying to myself, I was scared to death every time I peered up a pencil because I knew I couldn't draw or didn't know how. And I was afraid to be seen as not being able to draw, but you put me in a dance space and it, just exactly what you said, the pleasure of movement, the pleasure of design, the pleasure of, it's almost a celebration of the spirit to be mm-hmm. able to, to do that. Would you recommend the artistic life for someone starting out?
2: I think it has to be your passion because it's difficult. It's, um, it's, it's extremely challenging and um, it's a hard life. I think you, you have to work really hard it's all the time it's yeah. not it doesn't stop. did
1: you have to teach yourself in terms of what i call sales
2: <laughs> I'm, i don't you know, think how do you I'm, get
1: exposure is basically yeah the question how do you get traction
2: i think it's it's hard i think you networking going out to openings meeting people and you know if it's not if if you're a more quiet person it's it's not as easy as if you're very gregarious but um you know, it's fantastic if you have everything, the perfect package. But uh I um I think it's a little bit um different now with social media. Um, it's easier in a way because yes. you can you can engage people remotely, but um in the end you really do have to talk and socialize and have a, a collaborative group of people to to connect with. And um, I think it's it's healthy and inspiring. You learn things you you might not have figured out or thought of. So it adds to your how, how, I don't mean to say how to your your you learn, it, but I'm
1: sure in school they didn't give you any briefing about that. No. No,
2: they didn't. And I think they do now, from what I understand. They're much more aware of it. And also I think the art world has become much more commercial and uh, there's a lot of money involved, so there's more discussion about that. It's more of a c- commodification of
1: yeah. things. Um, you know, we're all inter- uh, uh, influenced by people around us as well as our own voice, or at least I think that. And so with the, the device, well, if you have the, the internet handy, you can get, you know, much more, <laughs> a variety of influences quickly. Right. And then I always wonder how do you... How do you synthesize, but yet not copy? You know what you see. Uh, do you talk to yourself? Do you go into a, a sort of space when you create?
2: I think it just ha- for me, it just happens organically that you just get into a focus zone, and you, you. It's hard to stop. But I don't know. I just I think it just happens organically. Sometimes you really need to discipline yourself. in a good way to begin. Like with writing, I think you just have to start drawing and, and ideas will come and it'll loosen you up to to start creating and one one thing always often can lead to another, like, oh, you know, you come up with one idea after you finish a piece. Um so it's always evolving.
1: Did you have a period or a time when the ideas didn't flow?
2: I don't think I really did. I I think after um, maybe when I first got married, we moved to washington d c and it was um, not the life I was initially expecting, so it was a little bit more difficult for me but I always continued to work and what was
1: the life you were expecting?
2: I was expecting to like be here in New York and just
1: build from here
2: you know connect with my friends and, and it was a little bit more isolating for the few years that I was there. And
1: Washington was different, too.
2: Very different, yeah.
1: Yes. And then you moved back here? Tell me what happened. You married, you were here and then you married and, and moved to Washington and then were there a few years?
2: Yeah, and then moved back here and that's when I uh, bought the loft and um, built the studio. It was all um, a completely open space when, when we bought it. So we built all the interiors.
1: Oh, good for you. Yeah. Is that an advantage of, of living and working in the same place, or is that, what's the disadvantage of that?
2: I think the disadvantage is um, the distraction of the home. Yes. Um, especially when you have small children, because you feel the pull of...
1: Yes, they want uh, your attention
2: yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But um, it's an advantage in that you can work late into the evening and, you know, I think it's a
1: great busy. advantage myself, actually, to it on that's, my life is set up that way. Mm-hmm. And without question, I have control over time. I have a control over access. I, <laughs> I don't have to deal with the weather. <laughs> and I can have solitude or plentitude depending on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and everything comes to me, basically. And I think in the beginning you can't do that because you have to develop sort of traction, right. and involvement, and recognition, and reputation, and everything like that. But after that, um, you can. And certainly, people live in garrets, you know, when they first start out. But I think space is, as you know, they said the architects in the 1940s believed if you could design a beautiful space, you could improve human behavior. Mm-hmm. And Alden Dow, who's uh, now deceased, but an architect in Midland um, of writing and influence, he used to tell me, everyone should learn how to draw, Mm -hmm. you know, because he could capture the moment. And I think right now our society could capture the moment better (laughs) instead of discarding it. But I think art is one, uh, what do I want to say, one access point uh, to it. But I always wondered if I watched him and at a certain age. He said, "I don't have it anymore." Mm-hmm. The the Alden. He said, "I just the, to you know, draw, or no just to, to create, create to create architecture." He didn't. He just didn't have the ideas anymore. And I thought, what terrible punishment! That must be for uh, a writer or an architect or an artist or anybody who de- depends on that generation of ideas to animate and guide them, or at least direct them occasionally. And uh, that's why I was really interested. What do you do because you read about writer's blog or you read about there's too much repetition in what somebody does because it was successful? You know, how do you have that voice be true? So.
2: I think you, it's, it's so important to um, tap into your inner self and your, the narrative that, that you want to tell. And then it will be unique. Give us an example. When I was first starting to paint figures in the ocean, I I just wanted to um, was sort of remembering. I I was invoking memory along with experience, and um, using color to kind of and the figure to create. The storytelling of things that had happened to me in the past, and I, I did groupings of series um, that that really I think um, helped me kind of understand what I loved, um, rather than than just illustrating or, or you know painting exactly what you see. It's sort of tapping into to the inner life of, of the life. person you're painting or, or of your life that you want to um, show to people?
1: I have a visceral reaction to your work when I see it, whether it's what's behind us or the, or the portraits. It, it's like I have a, a consolidating, not flash, I don't mean to say it, it's like um, an suddenly understanding that takes me to a place I wasn't Mm -hmm. (laughs) emotionally or just for the first, I don't know, I couldn't say, a second, two seconds, whatever it is. And I think that's such a gift um, that you have to to give to, and I receive the gift as others do, because how many things do we look at that really change our thinking, Mm -hmm. even in the moment? But I do get a little bit... um, I do get a little bit... uh, What do I say, protective of my artist friends, that they always nourish the flame within them.
2: I know, yeah, because sometimes life is is interrupts you, you know.
1: In serious ways.
2: Things happen, you have to take care of your parents or your sick child, and you have to pause. But um, we have to just learn to accept it and circle back. Accept
1: it, deal it, and not get dragged to the point that you get cynical or, or, or you can do it for two seconds but then quit. And come back to the center space where you can generate the kind of self-renewal or the self-reflection or the self-energy mm-hmm. that can not only handle the outside problem or whatever it is, but protect that still small voice mm-hmm. inside you that I think every artist, every person needs to figure out the next step, I hope. Anyway, um, and I think a certain kind of belief in the vision. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something that you can relate to, but kind of like you were saying about when you do a work, you know what it's going to look like because you figured it out, but are you there? Or can you get there? Or when are you beyond there?
2: Right.
1: <laughs> I, I think all life is learning. So what are you interested in learning about
2: right now? Hm. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm Doing the ceramics, which is, is a—it's a continual learning experience, and um, I think it teaches you uh, enormous patience. And you have to be willing to accept that things will blow up or break because it's um, each process going through is, is fragile. So um, that's a continual learning experience, and. Um, just the chemistry and the glazing. I feel like there's so much to learn, but I just keep going because um, I think the the tactile media, the clay itself is just um, ancient and wonderful. And I I like being able to do that.
1: And perhaps that's the way you keep yourself fresh.
2: Maybe. So learning new, a whole new technique Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but I think there's something about using your hands and see something happen as a result that it's almost a cyclical energy. That's I don't know, I have to think about that. But anyway, Jennifer, thank you for, for sitting down with me and I just want to say one word to everybody. So we've learned a lot from Jennifer, mainly be lucky in life. Early on, she discovered the pleasure from drawing, the pleasure of putting something on paper. And she learned that so early that that became the beacon and the direction of her life. She was quite lucky that her parents encouraged her and that allowed her or encouraged her to go to the Rhode Island School of Design. She was always very wise that, um, while honoring the, the, um, the artistic side of her life, she also recognized the importance of relationships, not only in selling her work, as she was saying, you have to do that, but also marrying a really good man and having really good children that take time and effort. She did a wonderful thing in parenting, and that is move the kid's desk and all into her work area so they could create together, but also be messy and to find out things don't work out, rip them up, throw them apart. So in your own life, remember you have the outside grounded, the inside spark, play to that, enhance it, and furthermore, live it, edit it. You don't have to be an artist to be creative. Live the life you wanna live and be sure, be sure to be an artist in your own life. So remember, go out and do something kind for someone you know and someone you don't know and do it again next week and remember, that you have within you to choose a life of passion, happiness, contentment, collaboration, and love and satisfaction. So live it, and I'll see you next week. And thank you so very much, Jennifer. Thank you, Junia. Appreciate <laughs> it.
0: To contact Junia, send her an email at juniadonesthespark at gmail.com. For more information, program schedules, and news about future guests, go to www.juniadonethespark.com. Thank you for joining us. See you next time on Junia Dones the Spark. Local productions on QTV are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you. MCTV.